Scripture reading this morning will be 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. That's page 1056 on your pew Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Good morning. So good to see you today. Thankful you're here again. Such a great night last night. Thankful for that good night. Thankful for James and your prayer a while ago. We're blessed to have the elders we do and thankful for them shepherding us. Next Sunday is going to be a special Sunday. It's called We Are the Sermon Day. And what will happen is that afternoon there will be service projects that that are for the different Bible classes. And I've been told of several of them. I believe it's going to be a blessed day where we come and worship that morning, and then that afternoon we go serve together, and that night we come back together and worship again. I'm thankful for that. Look forward to next week and us having a a great day of work and fellowship. If you're going to be a part of that, I know each class uh, coordinator and the class leaders, if you could meet at 4.30 today uh, behind uh, in the classroom behind uh, Information Central uh, to be organized on that, that would be a great thing. If you will, let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you are amazing. God, we pray that everyone here knows of your goodness, and if we, if some do not, we pray that they will. And we pray that that knowing you will lead to telling about you. God, today give us the courage to do what you've commanded us to do, and help us to love others more than ourselves. In Christ we pray. Amen. One of the entertainers, uh, let's do this. I'm going to come back to that. We've got one more song. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul that the soul never dies. C.S. Lewis has said, many people believe that they are a body with a soul. He said, no, you are a soul. You have a body. When a soul, God creates a soul, a soul never, ever, 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 ever goes out of existence. And that means when the Lord returns, that there are souls that will be in eternity with Him, in paradise with Him, in heaven with Him, and will never, ever stop. But there also means that there will be those that will be lost and will never, ever, ever go out of existence. It's a core part of, uh, of who we are. It's a core part of us knowing who God is and, and why it is so precious and so, so urgent for us to be people who care for other souls. One of the, the big entertainers who's been in Las Vegas for years, he had been on TV show, is, is a guy by the name uh, of, of Penn Gillette. 
You may have uh, seen him on the Celebrity Apprentice or different shows. Now, if you see him now, he looks very different. He lost a, a hundred pounds, so he looks very, very different. He is someone who is a very who in the past has been a very outspoken atheist and has a lot of quotes about atheism. And, and one of them is this. He said, it's fair to say that the Bible contains equal amounts of fact, history, and pizza. That's his way of saying that nothing in there is true. That is somebody who, is, who has made some very antagonistic comments toward God's Word. And probably about 10 years ago, it was very interesting, there was a, a, a video from him. You may have seen it or somebody may have shared it at that time. And uh, this is him is really late. It's after one of his shows in, in Vegas, and he would do a video log where he would come on and talk about what happened. And this was a night that was very different for him. One of the men who came to the show had been to the show before, and he said, this guy came up and was incredibly complimentary about my show, about all different things. He said, but it didn't seem like just weird flattery. It seemed like somebody who was genuine. What I said about him, he said he was a really kind and nice and sane. That's part of what he's looking for. And he looked me in the eyes and talked to me and gave me this Bible. He gave him a little Gideon Bible. Y'all seen little pocket Bibles? Some of y'all had uh, prints so small, haven't been able to read out of them for a while, right? You know, they, they were small. Uh, what they have is the New Testament and Psalms. And a very, it's about the size of a deck of cards. And in the front of that Bible, the man had written down all his contact information and had written down some things he wanted him to do. And the thing is, this impacted Penn Gillette in a big way. And, and here's what he, 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 he said. He said, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and that people could be going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, you would think that it's not really, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because you would make it socially awkward? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? That's from an atheist. Let that sit in just for a second. He said, how much do you have to hate someone if you believe that there's eternal life, that, that people who do not and are not saved, will, will be lost. How much would you have to hate them to not tell them of Jesus? This morning is we're in our fall focus. We're talking about our connection to the, to the community. Is evangelism optional? Is it optional? And, and for some of us, we may say it's not, but we realize it is something that for many of us seems to be challenging to do. Even though there's no doubt in God's mind that, that it is not optional. Jesus says to go in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus uh, spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't see that as optional. Many of you saw this week, several of you commented, I, I asked a question uh, on, on Facebook about this thing. What I said was, I'd like your help for an upcoming lesson. Why do you think that many of us who believe in Christ choose not to talk to our friends about our faith? In other words, why do we choose not to evangelize the people closest to us? 
And as I read all the comments, and I had several comments, and I had several semi-private messages, I was able to boil them down into several different categories. The first one's really out of fear. There's a ton of fear that keeps us from telling the people we love, or maybe even the people we don't know. Uh, what, what I've learned is many times it's talk to people. It's easier to talk to people we do not know about our faith than it is to talk to people we do know. Many of you here probably go on a mission trip, and you find that you, you get past that initial hump, and all of a sudden you can knock on a door, you can talk to someone in public, but it seems to be difficult when it's people we know. The different fears, some people it was a fear of failure. I, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to say something and, and mess up. Another is fear of rejection. What if they say no? <clears throat> what if they say no to me? Other was a fear of inadequacy. I, I don't know enough. I may not be ready for this. Other is a fear of harming the relationship. We, we don't want to mess stuff up. We like the comfort and relationship that we have. And other is a fear of judgment. We're scared if we start talking to someone else about their life that they know us so well, they'll be able to go, well, you do this, 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 and this. And since very few of us like having mirrors pointed back at us, especially the ones that enlarge stuff, we don't do that. There's another category besides fear, and it was things we believe we were lacking in. There's people that, that said, I don't have enough understanding. I don't have enough knowledge or understanding, uh, and, and because of that, you know, I'm not sure if I can answer all the questions they may have. They may ask, where does Satan come from? They, they may ask some different things about how, how the world came into existence, and since I don't feel like I can answer that on the spot, I, I, I don't do that. It may be, it, for some, it's a lack of faith. Not believing and knowing that God wants people to be saved more than we do. That's something, if you don't hear anything else, uh, as me as a preacher, I want you to know that God wants people to be saved more than we do. That's why he sent his son. We've got to believe that he is going to help us. And for some, it's lacking confidence because of those different things. For some, it's a lack of courage. They're not willing to step out. For some, it's a lack of love for lost people. Francis Chan said, it's because we value our friendship more than we love our friend. I remember when I heard that the first time, that, that kind of hurt. That hurt a lot. It said, one of the reasons we won't talk to those we love about it is because we value our friendship or we value our relationship more than we love our friend. And on, uh, on top of this, there are some that don't believe it's our job. They believe it's my job, but not your job. It was interesting, one of the comments, I, I chose not to debate anybody on Facebook, I try not to do that, was they said that there's not a command for individual Christians to go out and to evangelize. And they said, show me, uh, you just can't use Jesus and you can't use Paul uh, because Jesus is talking to his disciples only, Paul is only talking to Timothy, and then he, the guy quotes St. Francis of Assisi. So I'm like, so I can't quote an inspired writer, but you can quote an uninspired one. What he said was, you know, uh, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. He used that. I'm like, wow, if, if the Great Commission only applies to the disciples, then the promise of heaven only applies to the disciples. It's only said to them in John chapter 14. The promise of the Spirit only applies to them. It's said to them in the same chapter. 
It's an interesting thought. Now, First uh, Peter 2, 9 says that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and every one of us is called to do what? Go proclaim the excellencies of he who called us. So it's there. So if we have that responsibility, what happens is there's those that said, you know, I'm just not sure I can do that. I want to let you know, I believe you can. I believe you can. And, and, and the thing of this lesson is I'm not trying to produce guilt, shame, and anxiety because what I've learned is when you really push hard on the guilt, shame, and anxiety, what you get is paralysis. People feel paralyzed. They, they may feel bad. They don't feel they can do it. They, they become overwhelmed and they sort of let it go and they think about it so much. You need to know that the devil is working and he, what he wants you to do is to doubt that you can make a difference. You can make a difference. God can make a difference through you to, to reach people and to help people to, to come to Christ. I promise you that. And you need to know that when we decide we're on this mission to go and make disciples, God is with us. He promised that He's with us always, even to the end of the age. Instead of doubting that we can do this or doubting that God wants this done, let's spend our life doing Let's spend our life making a difference. You're going, Craig, how? Let's open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to stay in verses 2 through 6 today. I believe it's here. Paul writes to church at Colossae, and, and in chapter uh, 4, verse 2, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. To walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time, let her speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. How do we make a difference here on this earth in telling other people about Jesus? The first thing we've got to do is be people of prayer. Paul says that right here, devote yourselves to prayer. See, I, I'm afraid that many times when we think of prayer, and, and, and we do this, this is something, uh, we pray for a physical, a very physical prayer list. We pray for people to get well. We pray for comfort for those who have lost a loved one. We, we pray um, for people to get jobs. We pray for marriages to be healed. We pray, pray, for, pray for children who are erring, the children uh, uh, to to make certain decisions. So many of our prayers to God are about physical things. What if today we started a spiritual prayer list? What if today you wrote down one name, two names, five names, ten names of people who are lost or people who are struggling? Or, or, or people who are away from God right now, people you want to influence, and you started praying for those who are spiritually sick every day. I know it may seem harsh. I heard one preacher say, as we spend more time trying to pray sick people, pray save people out of heaven, keep save people from going to heaven, than we do to keep uh, spiritually sick people from going to hell. Should we pray for sick people? Yes, the Bible tells us to. James is very clear. If someone is sick, let him call on the elders. They will come and norm will pray for them. That is right there. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
But don't miss that verse either because he says also their sins will be forgiven. There's a spiritual component to all this. What if we started praying for, for those who are lost? What if you had a list of all our youth group kids and you prayed for them from the time they're born? And your prayer for them is that they will grow up and know God and they will choose God. What would it look like to have a, a prayer list? If you said, you know what, I'll work with people and I'm going to write their names down. I'm going to pray for them every single day. See, I believe when we begin to pray, we ask God and invite God into our lives. We invite God and we make our ministry His ministry. Really, we make His ministry our ministry. Several years ago, I heard Marlon Conley speak. And Brother Conley told the story. He said that one of the first congregations he had ever preached for while he was uh, still in college, a mother called him out to their house and their daughter had the flu and was really, really sick and she was running a high fever. But the daughter would not stop. She insisted she wanted to be baptized. He got out there to baptize her, realized that uh, things were very different then, medical-wise or not. The doctor would not want anybody who's running a fever to be put in water unless it was trying to cool them down from this fever. And the dad is there waiting on Marlon, and he just said, if something happens to my daughter, I'll kill you. He was not a believer. Marlon went ahead because the young lady said, I want to be baptized, and, and, and he did that that day. Fast forward about 40 years. Marlon goes back and has a meeting for this same congregation that he spoke for when, when he was in college. And during the invitation song, during one of the nights of the meeting, this person responds and he baptizes them. And after the service, this lady comes up to him, opens her Bible, and she said, that's number 19. And she marks her name off the list. He said, what are you talking about? He said, back since that day when my daughter became a Christian, this is the mom who called him out, said, I started a prayer list for people to be saved, and this is the 19th person on my list to be baptized. Her husband was one of them, and he had been baptized too. See, this lady made it her ministry to pray for lost people. Today, let's pray for lost people. Let's pray for those who, who, who we know. And not only that, we, we continue on. I love this quote by Spurgeon. It seems a little brutal, but I think it's incredible. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies if they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Let's be people of prayer and people of warning. Secondly, look what he says in verse 3. It's at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the ministry of Christ on account of which I am in prison. He is praying for a door to be open, for him to be able to spread the gospel, and he's in prison. If I'm in prison, that's not the door I'm going to pray is going to be open. But that said in, Lord, make the cell door open so I can roam on out of here. No. Pray for a door to be open for the gospel. So while we're praying for lost people, pray that a door will be open. Isn't that what many of us are looking for? We'd love to talk to somebody, but we're trying to find that way in. I don't know if there's, y'all may not believe this, but at one time, I was a decent jump roper. I know I just shocked you. 
There was a jump rope team when I was in school. Our football coach thought it would be good for footwork for all of us. So a lot of us football players became jump ropers. And they were the old ones with the plastic things on them. When they hit you around the leg, leg they left a mark. You remember those? Have you ever seen somebody do the double dutch where they got both of them going at the same time and you see that person just waiting to go? And for some reason, there's people who know that exact moment to walk through and they can go do all these things. Paul said, Lord, open a door for us so we can know, so we can go in. What's amazing is sometimes the biggest door that's going to open up for you to be able to share the gospel with someone is tragedy in their life. There will be people who would never, ever listen to the gospel before. It may be that they've been diagnosed with cancer. It may be that they, they've been in a car wreck. Somebody in their family has done this. It may be that they're going through a divorce. They're having problems with their kids. They're having problems in their marriage. Whatever the case may be, that may be the door that's opening. And we have to be people who are willing to walk through that door to be a comforter and somebody who is kind and somebody who can share the message of Christ with people. And when those doors open, we have to be willing to, to walk through them. And those are big prayers. When I was in youth ministry, I, I had a, a kid who had run away from home. This family came to me and said, her daughter's gone. I believe she's about a senior in high school, and she disappeared. And they prayed and prayed and prayed for her to come back home. They'd hear where she was from time to time. And finally, they heard that she was uh, with this one person, that they had gotten some information, and they said the situation's bad. They know the guy's into a lot of bad stuff. Therefore, their daughter's into a lot of bad stuff. There's a lot going on, and they prayed and prayed. And then one day, I get a phone call, and they said, hey, our daughter's home, and she'd like to talk to you. Well, I talked to her. She said, I want to come forward tonight. I know this church has been praying for me. I want to be restored, and I want to walk with God. And she said, Craig, I want you to know that I'm, a, I'm pregnant with twins. And I've left this guy. It was a horrible situation, violent, everything else, but I'm here, and I'm back. She goes forward that night. We pray for her. And her parents are giddy. They're so excited. And I'm thinking, you're giddy that your daughter is home and she's pregnant with twins out of wedlock. I started thinking all about these things. They said, Craig, you don't understand. Our prayer was, Lord, bring her home no matter what it takes. Bring her home and bring her back to you no matter what it takes. Here's what's awesome. That young lady's married now. That young lady and her, those twins are, in, are, are, are faithful, all these different things, but those prayers. Pray that God will open up doors and that God will work. And, and the thing is, when those doors are there, realize that God answers our prayers. Not because we are great prayer people, but because He is God and He is faithful. We pray and trust God to answer. And if we pray that, we need to expect doors to be open. If you pray for rain, please take an umbrella. Pray believing God is going to act and He's going to act powerfully and be ready to walk through that. If we're going to be people who realize that we want to make a difference in this world and want to live out the Great Commission, we need to be prayerful. We need to pray spiritual prayers, not just physical prayers, and we need to pray that doors will be open. The third thing we see is we're to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of our time. 
I grew up with Ray Stevens. Not literally in my house, but his records were very prominent in my home. Uh, a lot of my humor is going to come from my dad, and not just my dad being funny, but because my dad exposed me to Ray Stevens, and he exposed me uh, to the Andy Griffith Show, and, and, and also Jerry Clower. I can go on and on and on. All these things are part of it. But if you see this album cover and you're of a certain age, you realize you can run, you can hide, but you can't get away. Because Santa Claus is what? Watching you. So he wrote this song from a weird perspective. Basically, you think Santa Claus is spying on you, keeping this list. And I've laughed at this, and I could see how it can make you a little bit, uh, a little bit nervy to think people are watching you. But can I tell you, they are. Is that good or bad? It may be bad in the sense that it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but it's good because anybody who is watching you, you have an opportunity to influence. You have an opportunity to influence the people who watch you, so I think it's incredible to walk with wisdom toward outsiders. Why? Because they are watching. Our lives are too, as people say in, in that quote, you know, to uh, preach the gospel is necessary to use words. What we need to be doing is living Christ out in our life every day where people see he's a part of our life. Are we going to be perfect in that? Absolutely not. Here's a great thing that we can do when we mess up, fess up. Apologize to people. Admit that we've done something wrong and we're ashamed or embarrassed of it and ask people's forgiveness. But what is it people are looking for? People are looking for our lives to be show and tell lies about Jesus. And the evidence in our lives that we follow Christ are the fruit of the Spirit. I say it over and over because I believe it's true. The evidence that we're connected to Christ is love and peace and faithfulness and joy and goodness and gentleness and patience and self-control and kindness. Those are the things that when people see us, guess what? They see Jesus. Walk with wisdom. May our life be a life that is an example, not an example of perfection, even though we would love for that to be the case, but an example of the perfect love God has for us. And we want to show that. We want to be people who people look at us, they see peace and they see love and they see that kindness and gentleness and how we deal with one another. It is a big deal. So the way we function at work, the way we function at school, the way we function online, I could do a whole series on that, needs to reflect Jesus. It's a big deal and it can make a huge difference. We want people to see Jesus in us. He said, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We have to realize there is an urgency. We don't, have, we don't have years and years and years and years and years. We don't know what we have. There must be an urgency in us talking to other people and sharing with other people. It's not about forcing someone else, not about holding them down and say, you're going to listen to me. But as that door opens, praying for that door to open and realize there is a sense of urgency that we want people to know and to love Christ and to become his children. The fourth thing we see here is in verse 4, and I think at the end of verse 6, he said, that make it clear how I ought to speak. And then the last, next is verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It's interesting that he says, pray for me about this. When I read the responses on why we have a difficult time sharing God's message, a lot of it came back to this, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. 
I'm afraid that I won't have an answer. I'm afraid that, that, that I won't be able to answer correctly. Here's the thing I want you to get from this. You've got to speak. Moms are known for not speaking. I'm still messed up. One day I was driving from Spring Hill to Franklin, and I saw a mime actually driving a car. We met and during the road. I'm like, aren't they supposed to play the driving? It was odd. I guess he was late for a show. It, was, it messed me up. But the thing is, we have to be people who speak. The gospel, the word gospel is always, is, is always connected to the word proclaim. We speak the gospel. Yes, we do live it out, but we speak it. Let's not be people who are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation of everyone who believes. I think if we could get this, it would help us so much. What power converts others, mine or God's? It's the power of the gospel. That's what Paul said. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's one of the reasons. That he could say, hey, I want to go to Rome. I want to speak to the emperor. I want to speak to this ruler. I want to speak to that ruler. Why? Because he knew the power wasn't in him. The power is in the gospel, and the power is from God, and God works incredible ways. Pray that he will guide our speech, that we do speak the truth in love, that we do tell people about the Father. We do point people to him. We point people to Jesus so they can see. And yes, there's a right way and wrong way to do this. Some of you have probably heard about the Westboro Baptist Church, and you see them protesting everything, and they show up outside with signs that are just hateful and horrible. And they believe they're evangelizing. These are some of the signs I could actually show. When people associate this with Christianity, can I tell you, there needs to be competing voices for who for the people that belong to Jesus. Remember what Penn Gillette said? The guy was sane. The guy was kind. He looked me in the eye and he was genuine. That's going to go so far. We're not going to stand on the street corner yelling at people. We're going to be people who pray. We're going to be people who talk and people who interact and people who smile and people who put their arms around people and people who show love to one another because death and life is in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to share with someone a message that can change their eternity. They need to know that Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves them because Jesus loves me. I want to love like Jesus, and I want to share that message. And because each one of us has a soul, I want to make sure that message goes out. We want to pray diligently. We want to open doors, that God will open doors. We want to pray that we will make the most of every opportunity. We want to say things in the, in the right way, and we want to know that God wants people to be saved more than we do. The first time I spoke here, I spoke on a, a Wednesday night Summer Faith series um, in July last year, and I shared at the very end of that message sort of how my family came to Christ that it all started with one person. My grandmother, who has now passed on, and we have celebrated her 90th birthday uh, before she passed. When she first graduated high school, she ended up moving to uh, uh, Memphis, and, and she lived in Chicago, son. That's where a lot of people during World War II, they were, ladies were going there working in these factories. She worked for Fisher Aircraft is one of the places she worked. 
And she listened to the radio all the time. Why? Because she didn't have a TV like many of us. Then that's what she did. And there was a radio preacher on there. And he was a, a gospel preacher. And he preached and she would listen and she would take her Bible. And her, her family had grown up in a little bit different religious group but had never been really faithful. But she read her Bible and she matched over and over and over again. She kept going, this is what I need to do. So she chose to become a Christian. She's living away from home. Her family's not there. She hears him. She chooses to become a Christian. She goes back home. This is not a complete picture of her brothers and sisters. I think there's about a dozen of them total. She goes back home and teaches her, her brothers and sisters. Some are older, some are younger, her mom and dad. And because of that, all of them are baptized for remission of their sins. She marries my granddad, who is also a Christian. And they have three boys. The one in the middle in the overalls, that's my dad. And you, you, if you look at this picture, what you have from, from the tallest to shortest is you have a man who's been an elder in the church, my uncle, song leader, always very active. My dad, who's been a deacon, who's one of the most evangelistic people I know. And the, the guy who's dressed like a preacher that's off work is actually a preacher that's off work, still wearing a white shortless sleeve shirt and black pants. He's been a gospel preacher all his life. See, and those three boys had a, had a few kids. You have myself and my brother on one end, two cousins on the other. All of them faithful Christians. In this picture, there's two preachers, myself and my other cousin in the, the pink shirt or salmon or whatever color that is on the other side. Then there's another cousin who couldn't be in this picture because at that time he and his family were in Tanzania. And he's in Tanzania doing what? Baptizing and teaching the Tanzanians the gospel. This is three of her great-grandchildren who are all now Christians who are all quite a bit older than this. Can I tell you, it was because she heard a message that could not stop with her. And she was somebody, can I tell you, who could be a little over the top with it. I don't have enough time. But she didn't want anybody to go to hell. She shared that message over and over. And I think about because of her life, because of the, her brothers and sisters, because of her children, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren, how many more people will be in heaven? Because she did not let fear stop her from sharing the gospel with others. David Platt said this, save people on this side of heaven, owe the gospel to lost people on this side of hell. We must be people who share. Why? Because we want every soul to be saved. That's what, that's what uh, was said about God. In, in a, in, in, Peter wrote that. He's not willing that any should perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. Let's be people who share that message so that everyone can be saved. Today, can we help you? If you're not a Christian today, choose to make that decision to follow Him, to become a child of God, to be baptized from listening to your sins. Choose today to act on that love, knowing that more today, if you choose, somebody has been praying that you will make that decision today. If today you want us to pray with you and for you, maybe some here today say, Craig, I want to draw a line in the sand today. I want to leave here and I want to be an evangelist. I, I want to make a difference in the lives of those around me. And you want us to pray for you and with you, we would love to do that. Today, if we can help you in your walk with God, would you come now?